Yeah, I mean, a lot of the movie is is driven by uh, Connor's moral compass and how far he's willing to go to save the most important person in his life. You know, in an early version of the script, we talked about it being uh, Connor's younger brother. And we just thought, you know, with a mom is, is a little more relatable and easier. Everybody's, you know, everybody can picture doing something they, you know, probably wouldn't feel comfortable doing normally uh, if it meant you know, saving, saving their mom, uh, that, and <laughs> we'd have to deal with, uh, a child actor who can't work as many hours. And, uh, we were already up against the gun for, uh, for getting as much time on, um, uh, as much time out of our money as we possibly could. We just heard Robbie Amell about playing Connor Reed in Code 8, created and directed by Jeff Chan from a screenplay by Chris Perre. It's a world where people have supernatural abilities but some, as in the case of Connor, are trapped. We speak about Connor living in this world and working with his cousin, Stephen Amell, in a moment. Your character is Connor Reed, and in this world, 4% of the population has supernatural abilities, but you think they would be in and be billionaires, but actually it's the opposite. They live in poverty. And it sounds as a man caught in the middle. He wants to do well for her mom, who's ailing, and yet he meets Garrett, played by Stephen Amell, you know, and who works for a drug lord. So it sounds like he's kind of caught in the middle between doing what's right and, and helping his mom, but also getting the money to help. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the movie is, is driven by uh, Connor's moral compass and how far he's willing to go to save the most important person in his life. You know, in an early version of the script, we talked about it being uh, Connor's younger brother. And we just thought, you know, with a mom is is a little more relatable and easier. Everybody's, you know, everybody can picture doing something they, you know, probably wouldn't feel comfortable doing normally uh, if it meant, you know, saving, saving their mom. Uh, that and <laughs> we'd have to deal with uh, a child actor who can't work as many hours. And uh, we were already up against the gun for, uh, for getting as much time on um, uh, as much time out of our money as we possibly could. What I really related to was this guy who's just trying to do the right thing. He's just doing, you know, he's doing bad things for the right reasons. Uh, we just wanted to see how far we could push that. And some people at the end of the movie don't agree with what Connor did and, you know, other people do, which is what we wanted. We wanted it to, you know, we wanted the movie to raise questions and to, to split people and, uh, and, and, and open up conversations, which, uh, which we had in the short film. It was really fun to read, you know, the YouTube comments and people, you know, people who were saying that they, you know, they thought he deserved it and other people didn't. And I mean, that's really what you're hoping for when you make a project. What, is also kind of hampering things. He's not only with Marcus, he also is being chased by a, a militarized police force and it's Agent Park and Agent Davis are after him. So that just mm -hmm. gives him something else to worry about too. Talk about playing off that aspect that you're basically looking over your shoulder all the time. Yeah, I mean... You know, these aren't superheroes, right? We wanted to tell right. a story where, you know, people had these powers or abilities, but for the most part, like if you're a, a class one, it, it, it's really not that useful 
and it's illegal to use them anyway. So, you know, we wanted to kind of create this class system that, you know, most people watch a superhero thing and they, they wish they had those powers. We just wanted to try and flip it a little bit. And, um, you know, maybe this wasn't, you know, an, uh, a, a lucky thing to have. But we also wanted to show, you know, what would, if these powers were, were real, you know, what would happen and how would, you know, how would the government or how would um, the state combat that? And, you know, if, right. if when you fear something, you, you know, you, you don't, you handle it with uh, aggression and um, this militarized police force was a cool way to do that. It was great visually. It it felt like it could totally be, be real. We, we watched a lot of Boston dynamic stuff and looked at kind of the, the, the robotics there and that are already in the works now and the drone systems. And it just kind of felt like, yeah, you know, this is where we could be heading to save the, the lives of, of police officers by using these, robots but uh, you know uh, when do you cross a line and and at what you know how much force right. are they allowed to use steven steven of course has done some great roles i mean his oliver queen has totally taken a secondary character really in the dcu and really built him up and you know and and, and built an empire so to speak but uh of course. him playing a, a full-out bad guy uh he must have had some fun with that what was it like kind of playoff and really being a little a lot darker than he normally has it was great you know steve had a lot of fun with it it was great to actually get to you know to get to work together and to to have scenes together where we actually talk to one another but (laughs) you know i'll say i'll say if you ask steve you know garrett's not the bad guy he's just you know a, a little bit darker shade uh of that gray area than than connor you know if if Garrett's the bad guy, then, you know, who's Sutcliffe? And if Sutcliffe's the bad guy, then who's, you know, the leader of, uh, of the gang that is above him, you know, there's, uh, it's just kind of this hierarchy and, you know, maybe the higher you get up, the darker it goes. You know, mm-hmm. Everybody has their reasons for what they're doing. And that's pretty realistic, even though it's set in a world where there's supernatural abilities, you know, people are, are good and are, are good and bad, but there's also those shades of gray where uh, sometimes we've all done something we regret. I mean, that's pretty human. For sure. Yeah. When we, when we started writing the, the, the script, we didn't want it to be just right and wrong just because that's not how the world works. Right. We wanted it to feel real and feel grounded. And we wanted you to kind of think if I was in this person's shoes, what would I do? And, you know, some will agree and some won't which is beautiful. But uh, we also just wanted the powers to kind of be a background. We wanted it to be a, you know, a, a, drama- a dramatic, well, we wanted it to be a crime drama, this character-driven story about a kid and his mom, uh, or a kid trying to help yeah. his mom that just happened to be in this this world that's a little more fun to watch. You know, at, at the end of the day, uh, our number one priority is, is entertaining people. But yeah. we wanted to ask some questions while we did it. There's more about Code 8, which is available to see right now on Netflix in a moment. Great cast. We, you mentioned Mark is played by Greg Burke. Your mom is played by Carrie Matchett, an actress who I've admired. An actor I interviewed in the past, Peter Outerbridge. And Dark Matters, Alex Molinari is in this too. Talk about this cast. You guys really put together a really good cast for this. We lucked out so much. Um, Carrie Matchett was the first 
audition tape that I watched to for someone to play my mom. And uh, I I phoned Jeff right away, and I was like, "This is she's the one. She's perfect." And part of the reason is she reminds me so much of my mom, my real mom, that I was like, "This just makes my job so much easier." But her read was so. Sure. It was so grounded and real and you could tell that she is a mom and uh, it just, she was, she was perfect. We, we lucked out so much with her. And then uh, Greg Brick and Peter Albridge actually both read for Sutcliffe and they were our last two that we narrowed it down to. And it was just two different versions of the character. Greg's character was a little more erratic and, you know, uh, kind of at his end, whereas uh, Peter's character was much more put together and almost felt like felt like the boss. So, you know, we asked, Greg got the role and we asked Peter, you know, as a favor, if he would be willing to, to play this smaller role in the hopes that if we get to, you know, continue the story that the, the role would get bigger. And, uh, he was great. He, he, he came out for us. He did an amazing job. I think it really sets the tone for, you know, who Sutcliffe has to answer to. Alex Malinari was amazing. You know, we we just kind of lucked out. Everybody everybody was so solid. You know, we didn't have a weak mm-hmm. link, which is really special. Robbie, this was originally a short film. What's it like to go from a short to a full-fledged feature? Oh, it's much more expensive. <laughs> <laughs> That's for um, sure. It was great. You know, we... Um, my my cousin and I always wanted to work together and, and uh, Jeff Chan, who directed the project, is a good friend of mine. We always wanted to work together. Uh, we, we put the short film together and Steve was supposed to be in it, but um, timing-wise, it just didn't work out with his arrow schedule. So luckily, Sung Kang took a chance on us. We shot the short film in, in L.A., over the course of two weekends and we thought we would, you know, Jeff and I fully financed it thinking it would cost us about 15 grand each. And it ended up costing us $35,000 each. And um, wow. you just kind of cross your fingers and hope that people might like it. And, and luckily it, it caught fire on the internet and, and we had a great, we, we, we front page Reddit, which was huge for us. And um, the Indiegogo campaign was, so unbelievably successful and so surprising. You know, we were just hoping to make a couple hundred thousand dollars to try and make a, a small movie, and we ended up making a few million and getting the opportunity to make a, a bigger movie than we ever than we ever thought we could. And going from a short to a feature, you were able to kind of add more layers to it too. I'm sure. Oh yeah, I mean, the short film was really just kind of a, a world building proof of concept. Like, you know, hey guys, this is kind of the world that it'll be. Uh, you know, the robots proved that we could make it look good. You know, we wanted people to feel like they were investing in something that, you know, they would be proud of and something that they would be willing and excited to take ownership over. Is that a good way to go to start with a short and maybe even experiment even with the limited time? So this way, when you go into a feature, you kind of have a better idea of where you're going. I mean, I think it takes a lot of luck, too. We were very, we were very fortunate that at the time that we made it, it just worked. You never, like, you just never know with these things. I've seen some really amazing short films that never turned into features. It just takes a lot yeah. of work and it takes a lot of sweat equity. You know, the, the visual effects company did so much work for so little money. Our director of photography, you know, comes from big, big features is we, we our, our a camera operator, 
uh, you know, shot Creed too. We had, you know, we had nice. these, these unbelievable people who just were willing to take a chance on us because they're friends. And, you know, that's what having talented friends really, really gets you. You know, we're, we're so grateful and in debt to all these, you know, all the people that, that helped us and, and put their time and their effort, uh, into it. And, you know, I think it really shows on, on screen. Everybody really cared. Did, did you and, uh, and also Steven have a lot of in to kind of help build the world that Jeff and Chris Paré had uh, created? Yeah, I mean, Jeff and Chris were very much the captains of the ship. They did such an unbelievable job. You know, Chris really writes for mine and Steven's voices. You know, but but all along the way, it was very collaborative. You know, that's the great thing about working with your friends. You know, you you, you get to figure it out together. So, uh, you know, on set, Mm -hmm. it was always, you know, making small adjustments and uh, just trying to make something that we thought, you know, really represented the vision that we wanted to put out and, and something that we could be proud of and something that the, you know, thousands, tens of thousands of people that helped us make this would be proud of. Just really want to ask you before we go, um, being part of this universe that Stephen started with Arrow, and I, I mean, you were Firestorm, of course, and what's it like for you to see how this has all grown and how uh, the DC universe has been established on television. It's really cool. You know, to have been a part of it is amazing. To have watched my cousin kind of, you know, captain the whole thing has been incredible. Um, But not only that, you know, just getting to know all of the cast of these shows, like Danielle Panabaker is such such a sweet, sweet woman. and, And she's so talented. And to see her directing episodes of The Flash, you know, my only regret regret is not being in any of those episodes. So, you know, hopefully <laughs> I get to be a part of one of hers. All of the casts of those shows, to see the success that they've received, it's really awesome. And they've taken it so well, and they've handled it so well. So to have been a part of it has, was really special. And that's part of the reason, you know, without, without uh, Steven being Arrow and without me being, you know, Firestorm, we probably wouldn't have been able to make you know, the movie, because part of our fan base is the reason that we were able to, you know, raise the money that we did. So, you know, we owe a lot to, um, to the CW and the Arrowverse and to Greg Berlanti. Yes. Uh, Greg was one of the first people that we shared the movie with, and he's always been so supportive nice. and, and helped us out with, you know, notes. And so, you know, uh, we've been, we've been very lucky in the, in the people that we've, had guide us through this business and this whole process. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it, Robbie. And best Thanks. of luck. Nice with talking us. to you. Thank you. The movie came out in December of 2019 when we talked, and it went on to raise $3.4 million in Indiegogo after the success of the YouTube short. Streaming in 2020 on Netflix, it was in the top 10 for two weeks. Netflix acquired the sequel and would release it exclusively on their platform. As what happens, no release date has yet been announced. Hopefully things work out. With the strike, it could be delayed even further. You can stream the original on Netflix. And for special podcast episodes, Sci-Fi Talk Plus offers a free lifetime membership with early release, exclusive, and uncut episodes. Just click on the link in the show notes. It's free for a lifetime. This is Tony Tolado.